This is Out of the Dark by Choices, Chapter 4. Draco resists the urge to slam his door behind him. He's practically boiling over with something. Anger, maybe? Frustration at the imposition? He can't stand the idea that there's someone in his space, right there, right on the other side of the wall. Can't stand that it's Potter. When the war ended, Draco set to work, meticulously padding his life. He took to it with the same care that expecting parents take to spelling their homes safe before the arrival of a newborn. Draco had sanded down the sharp corners, muted the smells, the tastes, muffled every sound, firmly believing that if he rid himself of all the things that invoked feelings, he would stop having them altogether. And it worked. Worked wonders. Draco felt his cravings fall back, his wants, needs, desires sink into the same dark part of his mind where he had hidden virtue and honor, friendship and hope on the day he'd taken the mark. It seems to burn now, shifting beneath his skin, and Draco pulls back the sleeve to stare at it. Still, dead, he reminds himself, clutching at it with a cool palm, soothing the phantom sensation. Then he lifts the wine bottle and downs the remainder of it in a few huge gulps. He coughs, choking on the bitter tang. He paces around his room, feeling trapped, caged by the walls, by the wall behind which Potter is sleeping. Draco's steps are heavy, they reverberate across the floor, and he wonders if Potter can hear them. When had he last made this much noise? And anyway, he isn't making it. Potter is making him make it. It's all Potter's fault. It's always Potter. No, thinks Draco, stopping mid-step. No more of this. This isn't Draco. This response is not his. It was, perhaps, once, when he'd been a child, small and fierce and impulsive wherever Potter was concerned. And of course it was. He was a child then. But he is not a child now. He chooses his responses. However this invasion may feel to Draco, it can hardly have anything to do with himself. Potter clearly hadn't plotted to end up at the manor, even if he did decide to use the circumstance to his advantage once he'd woken up here. It's not about Draco. It is about Potter. Potter is going through something, and he's using Draco, probably not even out of malice. Potter clearly needs to lay low, so low he is laying. And this is as good a place as any. Better than most, in fact. Not a soul for miles in every direction. And what is he hiding? The drunken knight, the hangover, wouldn't do for the hero of the wizarding world to be seen stumbling around Dagon Alley, hungover and stinking of liquor, now would it? And why was he drunk, anyway? What had happened to set him off on such a... Draco briefly considers sending for the Daily Prophet, gets as far as pulling out his wand, then his stomach twists and he drops the thing to the floor. He lets it lay there. None of this is his business. Potter is none of his business, he thinks as he stalks to his bathroom. Here and gone, the moment Draco and his manners stop being of use. Draco undoes the small black buttons of his white shirt. He's better off in his ignorance. Has long since quashed the unbearable urge to meddle in affairs outside of his immediate concern. Draco drops the glamour, looks at his reflection in the mirror, wonders what he'd look like had he only learned this most precious skill earlier, had he fled London instead of willingly taking the mark. 
Not that the Slytherins, who had chosen to remain on the sidelines, survived very long once the war was lost, hunted down in the cleanup, right along with the guilty. Still, he'd probably have looked like his father by now. Long hair, arrogant smile. He keeps his hair short these days, more practical this way. No need to waste time on the upkeep. Draco thinks he looks like a shredded painting, the remnants of Malfoy beauty, hidden beneath hideous scars. Draco touches the red line running down his cheek, the other smaller one crossing the bridge of his nose. Maybe he should bring Potter breakfast in bed tomorrow with these exposed. Surely that will drive him out of the manor, such a blatant reminder of his handiwork, his darkness. Potter will hardly be able to handle it. Too good, too light to face this side of his own nature. What must it feel like, Draco wonders, to be endlessly good? Blood comes unbidden to the surface of his mind. A pool of it, red, soaking the white rug in the corridor, and the body upon it, crawling on hands and knees towards Draco, begging him to end its miserable life. Draco's stomach heaves. He turns from the mirror, glamour snapping firmly back in place, and stamps the memory down. He turns on the bath with a shaking hand, looks at the steam for a moment. Then he's on his feet, opening a cabinet drawer. Inside, in neat little rows, stand dozens of round black vials, barely the size of a fist, each with a small tag tied to the neck, with dreamless sleep written on it in Draco's elegant hand. Draco reaches for one of the vials, takes it out, then, gritting his teeth, puts it back in the cabinet, shutting it with a click. The bath will be enough to help him relax. It absolutely will be. Draco's dreams are red, a roiling ocean of death, clawing at the black of a starless sky as its waves break on blade-like cliffs, and Draco, alone in it, gasping for breath, kicking wildly. He struggles to keep his head above water, even as his clothes and dark mark try to drag him down, down, until finally, mercifully, with a flash of vivid green and the hissing whisper of Avada Kedavra, respite comes. Draco wakes with a start. Someone's there. They've come to kill me. Draco reaches for his wand, but it's not under his pillow. The floor, I left it. Malfoy? The lights come on. He's blinded. They're going to torture him first. They know they're going to Malfoy. He can take death. But torture? He's seen firsthand what... Malfoy, for fuck's sake! Draco blinks, his eyes clear. Potter is standing over his bed, face white, eyes wide. Potter? This time, Potter summons the cups of water, hands one to Draco, keeping the other for himself. You didn't have any nightmares last night, Potter says. No. Draco breathes as his heart rate begins to settle. Not for years now. I remind you of the war. It's not a question. Draco knows that the polite thing to do is to reassure Potter, but he can't quite bring himself to do much of anything right now, except shrug a shoulder as he tries to even out his ragged breathing. Yeah, Potter says, sitting down on the edge of Draco's bed. I keep thinking. I keep thinking tomorrow I'll wake up and it will be just a blur, a thing I once did, an atrocity I participated in, but hardly remember. Instead, it's... He trails off. 
Do good guys even have nightmares? Good guys still do horrible things, Malfoy. He had it coming doesn't make me any less of a murderer. Voldemort? No. Everyone else. Draco nods, though he doesn't know why he's nodding, then frowns. You're not talking about the war. You're talking about the... Cleanup. Yes. Killed far more men once I had won than while I was fighting. Funny. We thought we were so much better. But we really were doing the same thing. Carving entire families out of existence. You stopped, Draco says, eventually. Now we have. Yeah, but those first months, the Parkinson's? Stop. Yeah, sorry. Then, after a long, quiet moment. I am sorry, you know. Draco doesn't respond. Can't. Losing Pansy had been... Draco thinks, sometimes, that he paid for his life with those of his friends, that the Ministry, being unable to wipe out the Malfoys, had decided to take everyone else in compensation, the Parkinsons, the Knots, the Zabinis. That one was particularly horrific. Burned alive in their manner, the fire so strong that Blaze's body had never been recovered. Nothing to mourn over, nothing to bury. Draco forces the memory down, he can't. He won't let himself get dragged into despair. He knows well what lies that way. Depression, addiction, suicide. Always, at the end of each road, suicide. And he doesn't want that. Has promised himself that he won't do what they had all wanted him to do. Promised himself that he would live until he was old and gray just to spite them. Just to show that they hadn't managed to break all of them that someone is still standing, even if that someone is Draco, alone on a battlefield. People aren't angry anymore, he says, as much to remind himself as to have something to say. People aren't angry about the war anymore. Not really. No, says Potter, but they're also not sorry. Did you see what they did to that pack of werewolves out in Salisbury? No, Draco replies. I don't read the papers. If Potter is surprised by the revelation, he doesn't show it. Executed. If they... They were all on Wolfsbane. Every single one. Kids mostly, barely out of their teens. People are afraid. People are blind. I suppose they are. They stay that way until dawn. Eventually, when morning light starts graying the bedroom, Draco falls asleep. When he wakes, Potter is gone.